Welcome to Sports, Clicks, and Politics with your hosts, Ben Husson and me, Sean Hannon. Welcome to another episode of Sports, Clicks, and Politics. This is episode 26. Uh, I am Sean Hannon. I'm joined again, as always, by Mr. Ben Husong. How was your turkey day? It was awesome. Did you have turkey? I did have turkey, mashed potatoes, sweet potatoes, stuffing, corn, all the fixings, a little wine. Sounds a little traditional. It was a very traditional. It was a little smaller than normal, but we still had, uh, we made the most of it. You know, we had a good time. Yeah. How about you? I had, uh, well, I had turkey day, well, we had tacos on Thanksgiving because I had turkey day on Friday with my son. So um, he came down here, all the same things. Uh, we decided to do taco Thursday for taco. Thanksgiving. <laughs> And then we did, uh, and then we did uh, the big bird on Friday. Uh, same thing. I do my uh, smoked Gouda mashed potatoes, which I do pretty much every year. They're excellent. Smoked Gouda mashed potatoes. Yeah, back Smoked. from Am- Emerald Lagasse. Okay, it's an easy rep- a recipe. Just add the Gouda. Bam, bam is right. Uh, but yeah, stuffing uh, all that good stuff. Uh, it was fun and all that good stuff. I did not get to break any uh, orders. Well, I guess I had more than one household, but that's my son. You so were under ten. That's okay. Um, yeah, uh, my you know. official party line is I violated no laws on Thanksgiving or any other day prior to there. All your guns were lost in a boating accident. What guns? <laughs> Never owned a gun. Did you watch any uh, football over Turkey Day? I mean, sadly, yes. We got a reshuffling of the uh, Thanksgiving schedule with the, the COVID <laughs> wreaking havoc on the NFL. Yeah. yeah. The Steelers, my Steelers, the undefeated, still Steelers, haven't even played a game yet. They were supposed to play on Thursday. Here we are on Monday. Still haven't played yet. Supposed no, they'll to play, play tomorrow. Tuesday. Supposedly. 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 You know, uh, we'll see. Um, yeah, it was, it was weird. And we were left with some really bad football <laughs> games as a result. That was like the only one worth watching. Well, I mean, the rule is the Lions, right? So you're almost guaranteed one bad game. No and the Cowboys. What. This year, the Cowboys are bad. So, right. You're almost guaranteed one bad game. I mean, it's tradition to just watch the Lions lose on Thanksgiving. So, um, I agree with that. It, it was hysterical, like, how bad those games actually were and how bad the Cowboys are is, is truly an impressive feat. Um, yeah. Like I said, I, you know, I didn't have much ex- expectations for any of those four teams, you know, and still don't. So... Uh, it was pretty uneventful as far as uh, football-wise, uh, or watching good football anyway. Yeah. Uh, the weekend had better games. Did you watch any of the uh, Chiefs-Tampa Bay Buccaneers games? I watched uh, a little bit of it. That was a good game. That was a very good game. looked like game. it was going to get ugly early. The Chiefs, uh, I don't know, I think Tyreek Hill still running for another touchdown. He had like 250 yards in the first quarter. Yeah, he went a little crazy. Yeah. He went a little crazy. He was, uh, you never count Tom Brady out. Like, that's why no, I keep yeah. burning. His- I mean, you know, the the, the defense finally got a hold they 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 basically said okay we're going to take away the hill and said beat us underneath and they still you know beat up with Kelsey but it wasn't they didn't they didn't score like they did in the first quarter they were seemed unstoppable in the first quarter i felt yeah. bad for that db he kept getting burnt i mean but i mean who's going to guard that guy i mean right. he's like one of the fastest dudes in the world like literally so and cornerback um, is in my opinion the hardest position in football it's, you have no shot yeah and when you're guarding like one on one again against the fastest guy in the nfl and maybe the in the world, like he's one of the you know like one of the top twenty fastest dudes ever. Um, I, you just felt bad for him. I'm glad they changed strategy. Um, I guess all the Tyreek Hill fantasy owners were pretty happy about uh, his performance. There. I would I would think so. Did you catch any of the Bills' performance on? Sunday? I did. That was another good game. Um, good, you is know, probably a well. The, see, the Chargers have a bad record, but I think they're a good football team. I think 
at least they're talented. I don't know if they're a good football team. They're, they have some talent. So, you know, talent wins plays sometimes. So sometimes the, the better talent, and I think their quarterback is probably pretty good. Um, yep. He looks like he's going to be a player. Uh, and they, they have skill position players. They got Eckler back that, that game. So, and he was he looked good right off the uh, IR. He came in, and, and you could see he was winded early on. They kept taking him out early in the, in the game. But, I mean, he, he, played, he performed well. So I think the Chargers are a better team. So I give Bills credit for that win probably more than just looking at the, the Chargers record. But it was a good win. It was. And, I, listen, I like Anthony Lynn. I actually do think he's a good coach. But that was terrible coaching in that game of of so many decisions so it's, many wasted yeah, timeouts terrible clock management it's hard down the stretch when you have the rookie quarterback too so like you know they're just not used to be i mean they should be used to that situations in college but you know everything's sped, sped up in the nfl but yeah you're right it was there was some choppy play down the stretch and the bills needed every one of those bad decisions i mean three turnovers and seven plays was just remarkable uh, right, well they, they had two there was like five and like 14 plays it was between, unbelievable. The, between the two teams yeah, yeah it was, it was crazy it, it, it was a very bad football game for about 20 minutes there but entertaining oh, i was great it was fun to watch and it's the same thing of for all of his faults josh allen with the ball in the fourth quarter makes me feel comfortable Although playing with a lead, I'm less comfortable. I would feel more comfortable down six. No, you always want the lead. I I mean, I'm aware. But you saw what he did of like, all right, you drop back 12 yards, and then to avoid the sack, you throw off your back foot to a guy running a corner route, and you underthrew him by four yards and got picked off. Like, just... Throw it away for the love of God. That's that's the Brett Favre, right? He thinks he yes. he has the cannon arm that he has. He can make every throw. He thinks he can do it. He's going to try to do it. I know, and it's fun to watch, but at the same time, it's it's sort of maddening. On you can make the throw, you just don't need to make that throw. There's no upside here. Yeah, just throw it out of bounds and live to fight another day. It's okay. Yeah. You still have a good lead, but yeah. it no, all worked out. But it was a good game. It was. Uh, they did not quite make the top five. The I was going to ask five. you. They, no, did, they, no? they squeaked right. out. I had them in there, but I was like waiting on the Packers game last night to make sure that the Packers won. Um, Packers won. I'm keeping the Packers into the their number five. So, so who's your top five? My top five. Well, because the Steelers haven't played yet this week, they're going to stay number one. That's fair. Um, they play the Ravens on Tuesday. Should be a good game. We'll see who's actually there suiting up and uh, available to play for either one of these teams. A lot of COVID uh, reserve players on this game. Number two, I have the Chiefs with their win over the Buccaneers. That kind of solidified it for me. It was even though it was a good game. I, I think the Bucs are a playoff team, so it was kind of like a, a measuring stick, and they won. Um, sure. I have the Saints at number three. You know, they – they played the Broncos. With almost had a quarterback. No. They had a wide receiver playing quarterback. They brought up off the practice squad. Who had never who hadn't taken one snap. None, in zero, practice no practice. Is the best part. Yeah. And just so we're all clear on exactly what the Broncos had happened, they had one of their quarterbacks test positive for COVID with no symptoms, not sick, just a positive test because they keep testing all these people all the time. And the other three guys all had to sit because they were close to each other at one point. And therefore it they may have COVID. Cooties. So one positive test with no symptoms, four people had to not play in a football game. It's yeah. amazing. And it's funny because they played the Saints, who the week previous, um, remember I sent you that video where they got fined $500,000 and, and a draft pick for, for celebrating a win in their lone locker room. They probably all got tested the day before. Right. They're all negative. They're just going on the field. They're playing a game against another team that's all tested negative, and they all played against each other. They go into the locker room right after the game, no yep. mask, $500,000 fine. Also uh, forfeited their seventh-round draft pick. Craziness. It's amazing. Like, what is it's going on? Because science. That's science. Right. All right? Science. Don't science forget. hates draft picks. Science. 
They just hate the Saints, really. The NFL. Hates I, the the Saints. NFL does hate the Saints, <laughs> and I don't know why. But it was. Yeah, listen. It's. I get that you're going for safety, but it's the same thing. Of if you keep playing for the one percent exception instead of the ninety nine percent rule, you're gonna keep getting problems. But that's what we keep doing. So. God love them. I mean, here's the reality. The Broncos were not going to beat the Saints. I don't care who they had under center. Um, I mean, they beat the Patriots. I'm just saying, any given Sunday, man. Right? I'm just saying, any given beating Sunday. Beating the Patriots it is would not nice to have been, it, you know, It would have been nice to have a quarterback. That's what I'm I saying. agree with that, actually. I'm, I'm in a, it would have been a closer game if they had had a functioning quarterback. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, the Saints don't have a quarterback. Man, they have Taysom Hill. They're kind of running around a Tim Tebow Listen, he's Best like, quarterback but he's, he's not Tim Tebow. He's like super Tim Tebow. Right. He's probably he's what a, Tim Tebow was supposed to be. Right. That's, <laughs> guess, that's who right. Taysom Hill is. Like he can Tebow throw, could the throw. Ball. Right. Yeah. He can play accurate. He can put some touch on it and he can run. Now he's not going to truck people. He's not going to run over anybody. They're and I'll bet be- you he could strike out better than Tim Tebow too. And I've witnessed that in person. I mean, Tim Tebow hit some power though. He's got some bombs. Yeah. He also batted like zero seventy three, if I'm not mistaken. I, it was embarrassing that he was even trying. So I have the Titans in at number four. Fair. They beat the Colts. The Colts were my number four last week after they uh, kind of had beat up some teams for a few weeks. Now the Titans have had a couple good wins in a row, and yep. uh, I got them at number four. Um, and then I said I squeaked in the Packers back in at number five. Um, I still think they're really good on offense. Um, you know, it's hard to argue with with Rodgers, Adams, and Jones. Um, it's right there with any, you know, any combination, whatever, 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 yeah, whatever quarterback, running back, receiver combination you want to throw out there, they're right there in the mix. Um, so a, a, a power five is still, like I said, the the top three has been unchanged here for a couple of weeks. The top two has been unchanged for uh, Most several of the weeks. Season, yeah. Um, the AFC still looks really good. I mean, there's a lot of teams in here that you know I think are like I said. We talked about the Bills. I think the Colts are still a good team, even though that was a good game with the Titans. But you know, those are two really good, poss- you know, playoff caliber teams. We didn't talk about the Ravens. Um, other than they're going to have to play tomorrow. Um, the NFC is not as deep. Um, but again, you know, the Packers, the Bucks, um, obviously the Saints. Right. All, I don't think there's a team. Well, listen, I, I still think if every team is playing their A game, the Chiefs are the, are the best team. Right? I agree with that. Um, if, if Mahomes is playing A+, plus, they, they, they win the Super Bowl again. So right. um, it'll take something for somebody other than them to get out of there. But until the Steelers lose and they don't play each other this year, I'm going to write them out to number one. What about the bottom five? The bottom, <clears throat> the bottom of the bottom remains unchanged. The, uh, the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 the J E T S Jets, Jets, Jets remain on the clock. Oh God. Love this franchise. They must, they're going to, we talked about this, right? They're going to go for Trevor Lawrence, right? I mean, I haven't heard, I haven't really read anything. If they're, they, I, they need a quarterback. Unless, so, Here's my two cents. Yeah. Sam Darnold is an actual quarterback. Yeah, he, he's, I think they, so. they can't win and a game young. when he's not on the field. They literally have not won a game without him on the field. Any, They're not wacko for Flacco? Right. Anyways, so I, in my opinion, if I'm the GM, what I'm doing, and Trevor Lawrence is a largely unknown commodity. I know that he's got a lot of talent, but anytime you're drafting a quarterback, there's always the what if. I know Sam Darnold can play at this level. So if I am the Jets with the amount of holes they have on that roster, I am trading away the first pick for probably three firsts and two seconds and sticking with Sam Tarnold and then shoring up all the rest of the pieces of my team. That, in my opinion, would be the smartest thing you could do. Put the weapons around Darnold. Give him a line. Give him a defense. Give him some talent on on all sides. So naturally what the New York Jets will inevitably do is – Draft Trevor Lawrence. Or d- draft Trevor Lawrence and keep Sam Darnold. And, oh, yeah, absolutely. They're not trading him. Well, the problem is you can't get anything for Sam Darnold right now because you've killed him. 
you have ruined this guy, and nobody wants to take the chance on him. Yeah, if you if you listen, I, I do think if you, if you think he's their if Art Arnold still has game left, and you think he can play in the NFL, then your your strategy is probably right. If that happens, you know you're gutting the franchise at that point, right, and starting over with a new football guy or whatever. With that, with Adam Gase is obviously out, right? So they're gonna the if you're going to ever. make this package deal, you're going to try to get somebody in who wants you know start from fresh and start this whole right. package deal. So uh, listen, I'm going to take him. I'm making Adam Gase coach all 16 games of this season. I will not fire him one game early. He will take every single loss that this franchise is going to get because it's his fault. He destroyed it. He's chased away all their most talented players. He has this system and this vision that he swears by. In reality, the guy had one good year because he had Peyton Manning as quarterback. Like, Listen, I could have been the offensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos that year. I'd have sat on the side, collected the league minimum for coaches, and just said, hey, guys, listen to Peyton. Omaha. <laughs> like <laughs> run Omaha. Here's the play call, and Peyton Manning would have said no. I'd have been like, all right, that was the whole offense. Peyton Manning ran it, so this guy turned that into two head coaching jobs, neither of which any level of success. But here we stand, and now you see what happened to Ryan Tannehill after Tannehill got away from him. Now he's a successful, competent quarterback in the NFL. Same thing of Sam Darnold, except Sam Darnold has way more talent than Ryan Tannehill ever had. I think so. So I I would go that route, but they are still the worst team in the NFL, and it's not terribly close. The second worst team is the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's not even really a competition anymore. They have certainly separated themselves from the field. They are just incompetent. And God bless Doug Marone, former Syracuse guy, former Buffalo Bill. I don't think he's well-liked anywhere no, that he used to be. I don't think so. Right. I, like, I still love Chan Gailey, I, honest to God. Like, as the OC down in Miami, I, I love him. Doug Marone is like, I, he's not a bad coach. He's just such a jerk. You, yeah, you just don't want to cheer for him. Sure, yeah. So he's out. Uh, the next worst team is the Cincinnati Bengals. No, no terrible shock there. You take Joe Burrow off that team and you got nothing. You see, you see they had the backup guy, Finley. He'd basically been their backup all year. And then they signed two guys to the practice squad. And they're like, eh, I think our practice squad guy is better than our guy we've been backing up all year. Yeah, like, they're, not, they're not wrong either. This team they played is, the Giants, right? No, they lost to the Giants. But that's who they played, right? Yes, they yeah, played okay. the Giants. Right. And uh, so the next worst team. So here's the, here's the good news, I guess, if you're an NFC East fan. Bottom three teams, not one NFC East team in Ooh, the mix. Progress. We're going to make up for that now, though, because the next worst team is the Dallas Cowboys. There's not really any um, saving this team. I know they had a good game last week. They're just not good. I, it's just, it is what it is. They, they got run pretty soundly. And uh, they got embarrassed by a very mediocre Washington football team, the team formerly known as the Redskins. And they got Footballs. and they didn't look. They looked like they didn't belong on the same field. They they looked like they didn't even belong with what is not an upper echelon or a top no. tier team. What is remarkably underwhelming team? I do think they're going to win that division, though. I, that's might. my guess. That's you know that's my. So my next team to round out our bottom five here, and I guess I should put an asterisk on this, is the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't think they win tonight, so now naturally they will. And Carson Wentz is going to like return to MVP form, but every time I watch that team play, all I can think is, wow, they're bad. Yeah, There's just there's nothing there that they do well. There's nothing that they're outright terrible at either. They just don't do anything well. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like, I don't know. I don't know how that guy won a Super Bowl. They can't run the ball. They Nick can't Foles. pass the ball. They can't stop the run. They can't stop the pass. Like, they can't do anything. I don't understand how they have a great defensive line, mostly because of Fletcher Cox. Did you just slip into Jim Moore there for a second? Did I? We can't stop the run. We can't run the ball. <laughs> we can't pass the ball. We can't pass the run. 
Okay. I always liked that. I remember who it was. He's he used to be the GM too. for the uh, Orlando Magic back in the day, and they were asking me. He's like, well, you know, my problem is we can't seem to win on the road, but we can't seem to win at home. So my issue as the general manager is I can't think of any other place to play. And it's this uh, that's who this team is at this point of – they have talent. Miles Sanders is tremendously talented. He's a great, great running back. They have talent on defense. Yeah, it seems like they're, they're, they're like, I mean, they're Carson. an older version of the Chargers. I feel like they have good pieces. They just don't win football games. At least with the Chargers, you can look at Justin Herbert and say, okay, there's some, there's something you're building on here. I know, but we thought that about Wentz, I think. That's, that's my point, is Wentz was playing at a league MVP level at one point. What in the world happened to this man? Nick Foles. <laughs> Nick Foles happened. To Nick dude. Foles ruined him. <laughs> Nick Foles is Ryan Fitzpatrick 2.0. So, I I don't think I I don't even know if I know this. When you were in Buffalo, did you go to UB? I did. Oh, I actually have two degrees. Did, did you play UB. running back for UB? I did not play running back. <laughs> do you UB. see that dude? Oh my god, Jarrett Patterson. I never heard his name until Jarrett Patterson. So if you uh, if you're not inclined to watch the Mid American Conference football on Saturdays, you might have missed this, but it did make some national news. Uh, the University of Buffalo's running back, Jarrett Patterson, carved up Kent State. Now, I know it's Kent State, all right? But still, Kent State was undefeated going into this game and a pretty good team in the MAC. So yeah, it was for kind of like who was going to play in the MAC championship game. Yeah, right? so. yeah, the UB Bulls pretty much resoundly said, we got this. 409 yards and eight touchdowns. Did you Real quick, did you see that the backup, when they took him out, the backup came in? And scored? Twice well, and well, ninety-seven yards early. He had, oh, okay, they once. took him out at the end of the game on the final drive. The backup running back plays. had a hundred yards and two scores too. <laughs> two plays in, they're like, "All right, let him sit down." And everybody that was watching or listening is like, "Why did you take him out?" He's he's like ten yards away from having yeah. the NCAA record. Yeah. And sure enough, they ran the backup running back once. He gained like four or five yards, then he broke it open and scored another touchdown. And you're just sitting there going. Boys, we missed a chance at history here. Yeah, no, you got yeah, yeah. When you're UB, like you go for history, right? Obviously. I mean, what are you doing? Well, you're not making the playoffs. What yeah, else what are you, you doing, doing this for? Or I want yeah, the MAC championship. Doing? Who yeah. cares? You could have had NCAA even, history. Here. I'm guessing even the Kent State coach would be like, "All right, let him run it." Like, I get it, <laughs> right? Like, hey, we haven't stopped him all day. It's not like, like, guys, have some pride. Stop it at 4:09 instead of 4:20. Yeah. So I mean, listen. It's a tie. It's the second most rushing yards ever by a running back in league his in NCAA history, and it's tied for the most touchdowns, rushing touchdowns ever scored in a game. It's just an incredible performance. Yeah, it's sick. So you think he's going to end up on one of those bottom five uh, NFL teams? You think you just lamed off there? No, I don't think he's going to go that. They, listen, they, said he's a, they said he's one of the top running back picks. I mean, again, I I don't know how they're going to evaluate talent this year because the, it's going to be hard. The, the schedule is just so crazy. But, but also keep in mind, UB their offensive line is nuts. They, I mean, they are they are blocking people. And, but people like Khalil Mack is going to give them a chance, right? Oh, so absolutely. like there there were. There were times when people were like, okay, the Mac, whatever. But, like, you've got guys like Ben Roethlisberger. Yep. And, I mean, there's, there's a list. So, like, right. So, you've got a list of Mac players who are borderline Hall of Fame players now. So, yeah, it's not the SEC and it's not even the ACC, maybe. Well, maybe it is. The um, <laughs> Mine is Clemson. The rest of the ACC, <laughs> pretty much fair. the Mac. That's um, So, I don't know. It's, it's impressive, obviously. I mean, 409 yards and eight scores. I mean, what the hell? I think he gets drafted. I just don't think yeah. he goes early. Because yeah. I think at some point, I mean, yes, running backs has... are... Kind of thought of as a dime a dozen. You still should a never bit, draft but. a running back early unless it's Derrick Henry. I mean, Saquon Barkley, you could make an argument for. And Alvin Kamara, honestly, is probably the best. And Christian McCaffrey. 
but it's such a low percentage play. Whereas if you get these guys, like look at Miles Gaskin in Miami, look over into Washington with Antonio Gibson, like look around the league, and a lot of these guys were not high draft picks that are yeah. really great running backs. They're third, fourth round guys that you don't got to pay a ton of money to. So that's why you don't spend the huge money on a running back. And also a running back is the most or is the least appreciated position in all of football because you just go and get beat up yeah. for I mean, four years. Yeah, I can't I, I, I used to know what the average life of a uh, quarterback was. It's it's short for sure. Um it's one of the shorter right. positions that's that's out so. there. So but yeah, good good day for yeah, UB, cool, yeah. my alumni association's thrilled with this. I'm sure they're going to ask me for more money. <laughs> um, the answer is no, but you know, no. you get plenty of money already, and I'm still paying off what I paid you before. Yeah. Uh, how's your Ethereum doing? I don't know if you saw Bitcoin Body. came about like a sliver of all time. It actually hit, hit all time highs on Binance, not on Coinbase. Oh, okay. Um, so they have multiple exchanges. I'm not going to talk about that now. But no, anyway, no, there's different exchanges. Um, I think on Coinbase I saw it was nineteen like eight eighty. Uh, I think the all time high is like nineteen nine eighty. So like within a fraction, basically yeah. a borderline top. I mean, we basically hit it. Um, interesting. You know, all the other altcoins are kind of going up with it, but Bitcoin is uh, kind of a monster and kind of drives all of the uh, uh, crypto pricing. And because it's going up now, everything else is kind of going up with it. But it drives the field. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, very, very, very seldom does an altcoin move up in price. If Bitcoin is in a some kind of a bearish trend at all, like it just doesn't happen. So, um, my Ethereum's doing great. I still don't understand why, but I don't care. Demand. I, that's why. Listen, on, it's demand. Since January, it's a it's a three hundred and fifty percent return. Well, you got I in before understand. you got in before Ethereum two was released. I did. I don't even know what that is. But I don't I either. It. I know it was released. I know nothing about this, but I own it, and I'm watching it go up in value. And I actually, I think I said this last time, I have clients call me and ask me, should I get into cryptocurrency? And I say, generally, I think, yes, it's a good idea. But as your financial advisor, I cannot advise you on this. This is just my humble personal opinion So, as a human a, being. As a, as a side note, couldn't you just be like 5%? Start here and see what happens. And uh, it's only a small fraction of your portfolio. It's going to be the most volatile. You keep it small and uh, you just kind of enter the market there for those people. I mean, I could say that, but the reality is I am a fiduciary for these people. And if I don't fully understand all aspects of something, it would be largely inappropriate for me to advise them. It seems like you need to hire somebody. So listen, it's probably a good idea. (laughs) And I tell people, listen, I personally own it. I cannot tell you if it is good for you. It's exceedingly volatile. And I don't understand the fluctuations where stocks, bonds, even when it's illogical, I can understand what happened. Even when it doesn't make sense to me, I can at least put it together and say, okay, this is what caused it. Usually with, with cryptocurrencies, as much as I think it is a good it's a good thing to hold as an investment vehicle. I don't know. It's just as a hedge against if you're worried about worst case scenario and a currency hedge and all this other stuff that it offers freedom and autonomy and, so, and all this. I, I I'm on board. What What would you say to somebody who's trying to off who wanted to buy gold for their portfolio? At the same thing, would you say the same thing, or would no. you? So what was you? What would be the pro gold? argument versus the Bitcoin argument. So gold has a much longer track record and a much more predictable behavior than cryptocurrency does. It also doesn't have nearly the volatility or in the short-term swings that any of the cryptocurrencies have. Gold in and of itself holds no intrinsic value. However, gold has been used for centuries as a medium of exchange upon which we based most currencies up until 1972 when we decided 
who needs that anymore? Nixon. Ah, Nixon. Um, but all the same, gold as an investment does make sense to me because of the track record. So I get that the fundamentals, if you're looking, stri- if you took both in a vacuum and didn't have a history of either one, there's very little difference between gold and cryptocurrency. Very little. However, in the course of human history, they have two very different uh, uses. And gold has a much longer history to look at and study. Whereas cryptocurrency, like I said, a lot of it, if gold ever took the swings that Bitcoin and Ethereum take, I would be kind of hesitant to use it for what I use it for inside portfolios. But it doesn't, and this is what it does. And I don't, I don't go overwhelmingly heavy into gold or silver or anything else. But same thing, a hedge on inflation, because I know that's what people will most likely respond and move to in the event of volatility. So our state government kind of got slapped on the wrist. Uh, I think it was, might have been Thursday night. Might have been Thanksgiving uh, night. It was, I think it was during the day on Thanksgiving. No, it was like midnight. And it came like in at one in the morning, that ruling. I don't know, whatever. I think it came in on Wednesday then, because I, I think it, we got the news on Thanksgiving. Okay, so the Supreme Court, uh, even though New York, and i assuming they probably did this on purpose, um, changed the zone of, I think it was Brooklyn, um, the Supreme Court took a case that basically was brought forth by the diocese, the Roman Catholic diocese and the Jewish church, I believe in Brooklyn. The Orthodox Hasidic Jewish community or church. And so, or temple, yeah, or whatever. They they, they joined forces and sued Supreme Court or sued New York State and that got to the the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court ruled in their favor that the New York State could no longer limit the gathering size specifically to religious gatherings. So there's this, the, the governor has been using this, hey, we're going to limit gathering sizes here for this zone and this for this zone, but specifically limited religious gatherings within those zones on top of, say, other establishments. So right. that was ruled um, in, in favor of, of the, uh, those, those religious uh, limits and no longer can enforce those here in New York. Um, now, Cuomo was not real happy about this. He uh, actually called the ruling irrelevant. <clears throat> seems fun. If I was on SCOTUS, I would make a note of that, that he called my ruling irrelevant, I think. Um, he also tried to play it as politics and say that the, uh, you know, they just wanted to show their philosophy with the new court and whatnot. So, but what it did is kind of set the bar for anybody else in these other places who wanted to kind of enact this same limitation to know that it's just not going to be enforceable. So um, even locally, I've, had got feedback that uh, the bishop has sent out stuff saying, "Hey, don't don't bother. You know, if, any, if you're at 25, let them in. You know what I mean? So yeah. like this is different from what it was early in the uh, in the spring. Um, so I think more people are starting to push back and win. Um, I think against some of these restrictions and some of these lockdown measures, and I'm happy for it. Um, did you look at the briefing at all? Or yeah, uh, I looked at it. I didn't go into too much detail on it, but just. Very high-level overview. Just keep in mind, if, if, if you're looking at this and it doesn't make sense, understand that everything has a legal standard and a legal definition that you have to hit. So if you're if, if you as a, an elected official or a governor, or especially by executive order as opposed to legislatively duly passed laws, you're going to get scrutiny anytime you interfere with the free exercise of religion. And the idea being that the, the right and freedom of religion is one of the sacred 
rights you have as a human being is your relationship with your God, creator, deity, or lack thereof, that nobody can force you into anything else, and you have the right to practice. Um, so that doesn't mean it's an, an absolute right and it can never be interfered with, but if you're going to interfere, you can't make the rules arbitrary in nature. You have to show good cause as to why these rules are necessary for the public good and why the trade-off is there. And they typically get what's called strict scrutiny from the Supreme Court when they deal with these things. So I think the problem that Governor Cuomo ran into with these rules was a restaurant could be at 50% capacity up to any number of any number of people. You could have 150 people as long as your capacity was 300. Churches were limited to a much lower threshold for what they were allowed compared to other venues. So at some point it became a matter of, wait, 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 this is inconsistent and this is arbitrary. Why are they allowed 50? We're allowed 25. Why are, why are these businesses, Walmart and wherever else, you can have as many people as you want and there's no real restrictions or limits, but if I want to go to church and sit socially distanced, responsibly, safely, with a mask, no singing, no nothing, why am I not allowed to go to my church and, and practice my religion? And the reality is the rules were arbitrary. There's no, there's no really debating that. It's not based on science. Yes, I saw the one out in California where they had choir practice and everybody was singing and they all got it. That's not church. I mean, it's one form of church, but you can't apply that to every church and every temple. Um, I think it was the right decision, and I do think moving forward – Cuomo's claiming it's it's irrelevant because they've moved on from that under new rules, but it's not irrelevant because it's still an ongoing situation, and the Supreme Court wanted to make sh- make sure that these governors and state governments were on notice of you cannot target religion specifically for any rules. They need to be treated the same as everybody else. If you're going to have rules that say 25% capacity for churches, that's fine, but you better have the same rules for everything else because if you're not, then you're selectively targeting religious enterprise or religious freedom, and that doesn't. There's not a sufficient public policy reason that you can prove to justify why that's necessary. Sure. So I, I mean, I, I agree with the decision. I thought the rules were kind of ridiculous from the beginning. Listen, I, I've gone to church a handful of times over the pandemic. It's weird. Uh, I mean, you're you're super far apart. There, there's not really any singing anymore. You have to have a mask on the entire time. All that's fine. I, I have no, I have no real overlying issues obviously i do because I, I haven't gone in a while but uh I, I tried and now it's a seriously ask yourself if we're worried about the spread of a pandemic why can i go and hang out at walmart with 500 people but i can't go sit in a church six feet away because i would have been the 30th person in the church instead of the 28th why why is that somehow safe yeah it's not Right, that's that's the issue, and that so you have to. That doesn't mean you can't place any restrictions on the churches. They just have to be more narrowly tailored to actually meet your end. They can't be overly broad and burdensome. Right. So, and you know, I, th- there's other cases going on here. Um, I know that there's a, a something called out of Rochester that on very similar grounds. So we'll see how this all plays out. But at least we got our first. Uh, taste of what the Supreme Court thinks of uh, some of New York's restrictions anyway. I expect them, or at least other courts, to kind of get more of this stuff as as they are enacted and these lawsuits work their way through. So. On a side note, remember when people were worried that Chief Justice John Roberts would be too conservative? Yeah. John Roberts sided with the minority of the 5-4 decision to say that these rules were perfectly okay. I mean, there's rumors out there that Epstein didn't kill himself on that guy, so... <laughs> Just saying. I mean, how can you argue with that, folks? Did you uh, 
get to the, uh, I, I shared this with everybody uh, on the Facebook page here. Did you happen to get to uh, check out Max Public House? I sure did. So this is great, I think. So the owners of this bar in Staten Island, Max Public House, have basically declared themselves an autonomous zone saying that uh, the New York State Liquor Authority and the New York State Health Department or the County Health Department are not allowed on their premises, in their private property, and that if Mayor de Blasio or Governor Cuomo would like to come down and talk to them, that their door's open for them. But until then, they're just going to stay open and remain open, operating safely. You can see in their, in their operating, they're, they're operating with masks and uh, socially distanced. There's, there's, there's definitely still taking precautions there, but they're not closing, and they're not closing, uh, uh, and they're going to stay open, and uh, uh, they've offered uh, uh, free beer and food uh, if that was going to be the way around this and that you could just donate when you got there. So um, I thought it was pretty awesome. So the, the, the back and forth was their stance is that you as the governor or department of health or state liquor authority do not have the authority to put me into poverty. You are not allowed to just close down my business so that I cannot provide for my family. That is not what your powers are truly vested as. So they said that and they stayed open uh, the Department of Health came in, fined them $15,000, and they kind of said, great, we're not going to pay it. So the Department of Health responded by saying, okay, well, we're going to void the fine. So then they did away with the $15,000 fine and made it something smaller, like 1000 bucks or something like that. And then they, the state liquor authority got together and voted to summarily suspend their liquor license. Now, a liquor license merely says you cannot sell liquor out of your establishment. So the guys that own this bar said, no problem at all, understand. And they didn't come inside. They didn't do an inspection. They haven't been in the building to go and look at it. Uh, So they summarily suspended their liquor license. So they said, no problem at all. We will stop selling liquor. We're just going to give it away. And there's nothing illegal about inviting somebody into your private building and letting them have liquor. You can serve your guests. That's perfectly fine. And what they've asked for is donations. If you can donate money, that's great. But if not, we'll still give it to you. If you can give us some money to help us keep the lights on and keep this free club going, that would be outstanding. So, again, you're talking about legal strategies more than anything else. You're talking of, all right, if this is your state liquor license doesn't say that you, that's not what gives you the authority to give people liquor. It's what gives you the authority to sell liquor in New York State. No, no problem. I won't sell it. I'll give it away. And people will absolutely go there and donate money. It's going to work. Um, and I saw today that they joined forces with, uh, I think it was like some high school, somebody who graduated high school with the owner of this place who owns like some local jujitsu place who said, okay, we're going to stay open too. We're not going to abide by any of this too. So there's this, you know, chain effect, if you will, this, uh, you know, one by one, these businesses basically saying no, saying we're not going to abide by this. We're not going to comply with these not un- and back to what you were saying, arbitrary and selective rules. And, you know, they've been going through this for a while. Um, and they just said, no, I'm going to try to play the video here for you guys. Cause I think it's just awesome. So, um, this was a video that they, uh, put out, it's still out. You know, yep. they're, they're, this is not something they're trying to hide. Like they're actually calling attention to themselves saying, Hey, we, we know the risk we're running. We know that, you know, they, they've already suspended our liquor license. Um, we know that we have accumulating fines. We don't care. We're not paying them and we're not, we're not going to abide by them. So, um, let me see if I can play this, uh, uh, video for you. Cause I think it's just, 
worth the, uh, the time and effort for me to try to make it work. So uh, give me a second. I think you got it this time. We'll see. Fingers crossed, right? We'll see. We're really good at this. Hey, everybody. Danny again, Max Public House. Uh, it's Friday, the 27th. Uh, I'm going to give everybody a little bit of an update on what's been happening, what's been going on, and even specifically about what happened today. Um, a few days ago, the Sheriff's Department came back uh, the day after they gave us the $15,000 fine. Uh, they explained to me that they voided the fine. Um, you can kind of come to your own conclusions on why that happened. And now they're issuing us $1,000 fines. And they're coming back. So they keep coming back. We're still here. We're not letting them in. They're actually really respectable people. Say they're just doing what they have to do. Give us that. At this point, we're okay with it because we're not paying. So it doesn't really make a difference. Then today, State Liquor Authority came back for the second time. Tried to come in, they said our license is revoked. That's okay, you can have it. We put a bunch of postings on our window. We're probably going to be ripping those off shortly, and you can kind of get in on that too. So, here at Max, we are now getting fines voided. We're still doing things in a safe way. We're still open. So, the health department has given us a closed business order. The liquor authority has now revoked our liquor license. We have one item on today's calendar. The licensee is Max Pub LLC. I'm voting to summarily suspend this license. All right, Commissioner Ford, your vote, please. I feel I have no other choice but to vote to summarily suspend this license. And Chairman Bradley. And I vote to summarily suspend. It doesn't seem like we can do business. So here's what we're going to do for everybody. We're going to give everything away for free. So now you can come to Max Public House, and you can eat for free, and you can drink for free. We just ask that you do make a donation towards us so that we can still pay our bills. Other than that, we're still here. So if you keep sending them, you keep doing it. At some point, Mayor and Governor, if you want to come down, see what we're about, and we're doing things safe, come on down. Open invite. You can have a good time with us. So they came. And with that, they end up putting it up here for the order of summary suspension of license. At no time did they even think about coming inside of our establishment. They knew that they would be in violation to end up trespassing on our property. They knew that they were overstepping their bounds. And at the same time, you had a city agency backing up a state agency because state agencies don't want to back up state agencies because they all know what they are doing is illegal. We're not backing down. You think you scared me by putting in the fact that you're saying I don't have a license now to serve liquor? Well, guess what? That little liquor license is on the wall. If that liquor license is going to come off the wall, it's going to be done by Cuomo. You want to come down here and pull that license off the wall? Or DeBozo, you want to come down here and pull that license off the wall? Feel free to end up coming down and we'll have a conversation before you even think about stepping foot on my property. I will not back down. Keep sending your agencies, because they're not allowed in, and we're still going to be here. To the Sheriff's Department, we know you watch these videos. You told us so. You told us the elected politicians that have seized absolute 
unconstitutional power from the citizens have watched it as well, and it is creating problems for them. It led to you voiding the $15,000 fine. You swore to uphold the Constitution. My question is, constitutionally, what exactly is the legal grounds to the mandates you are enforcing? It is imperative your department bring grievances forward to the mayor and the governor. You are complicit in the overreach of power. You are playing the role of foot soldiers dedicated to New Age dictators in the world's greatest city. The litigation that follows will directly affect your department. Andrew Cuomo and Bill de Blasio are just men. The optics of the power they believe they have are displayed through attacks on the citizens through illegal means. We the people will not stand for it. Eventually, everyone will be on board. Every restaurant, every bar, every small business owner will stop living in fear of your baseless attacks with astronomical illegal fines. We ask all businesses to learn your rights and make your stand. We must declare our independence from our tyrannical oppressors. The strong pave the way for the weak. We again are at a point in history where we remind those that have overstepped their reach and are oppressing their citizens, it will not be accepted. We the people are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You cannot demand we let our families go hungry. You have no right. No man in this entire world has that right. You are not royalty, and we will not bow. Something happening here. What is the difference between sitting in an enclosed tent outside with no ventilation as to sitting in inside with central AC and central heat with air circulating? Doesn't make sense. It's all a load of shit. I don't want to hear it. All right, so uh, I thought that was pretty good. <clears throat> what did you guys think? Did you you watch that? I did. I liked it. Yeah, I hope that that is a message that starts to resonate with other business owners who have felt this was a frustrating and, again, selective and arbitrary time, and more people just say no and stop complying with these orders. It's, like I said, I think it's the only way out of it at this point. I don't think the government has a way out. So um, if the people want a way out, they got it. Just follow this guy and these these owners here at this place and, and continue that trend. So um, I don't know. I, I was excited by it. I was glad that uh, uh, that it happened, first of all. Right. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that it's happening right here in New York and we can follow, follow along here. So um, anything else on that? Yeah, I think that for anybody that sees this and you want to get indignant and say, how could you do this? You're, you're putting people at risk. My question for you is, what are you actually basing that on? Because somebody in a lab coat said it? Like, that's, that's the entirety of your reasoning. Have you, have you looked at any of the studies? Have you read any of the contrary, uh, the contrary points of view? Have you looked at any of the economic analysis, any of the health assessments that don't immediately and totally agree with Dr. Fauci at all? Have you looked at any of it? Because if not, maybe you should. And if you don't have any interest in doing any independent research, the only thing I'm going to ask you is 
maybe slow down before you're ready to besmirch, demean, belittle, dismiss anybody else. Before you're ready to attack and and act as if these people have no idea what they're talking about, truly ask yourself, how many of the studies have you read? How many? How many? Do you think all of the scientists are in agreement on lockdowns or what we need? Because if so, you you couldn't be more wrong. It would actually be difficult. There is no consensus that lockdowns work. In fact, if anything, there's consensus that says the opposite is true. They don't work, and they have way too high of costs. Going into poverty comes with its own health issues. It's an inevitability of where we're at in this world. So looking at all of these things taken together, my, my question always comes back to this of why are you so willing to just attack and dehumanize these people? Is it simply because... These authority figures have told you that that's what it is, and you're just willing to go along with that? Is there no pause? Is there no like, well, hang on, wait a minute. Maybe I should learn a little bit more about the other side of this issue to see if there might be a reasonable basis for what these people are claiming. That's it. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of that, I feel like you did a little uh, research and homework on your own there, yeah? <laughs> is I that did. possible? I did. This is the Ben makes a smarter part of the show. That's oh, just such an overstatement. All where, right. where Ben jumps into a deep dive of a particular uh, subject and uh, gives us some nitty-gritty details. And uh, today's subject is, guess what? What is it, Mr. Husong? All right, so today we're going to talk about hydroxychloroquine. Yes. Yeah, it's everybody's favorite. So the way this got started was I a lot of the stuff I've been seeing just hasn't made sense to me. And I keep being told, well, you got to trust the doctors and you got to trust the scientists and listen to the experts and everything else. And I was in March kind of on board with that of, okay, fair enough. But my point early on was, look, there's nobody who is an expert in epidemiology, economics, uh, tax basis, revenues, government spending. Like there's nobody who's an expert in all of these things. and All of these things will have an impact. As time evolved and I started listening to, I think I'm going to use Dr. Fauci as sort of the face of the movement that is the, we need more lockdowns, we need more masks. This is what people point to, of all these people on their social media pages with their I trust Dr. Anthony Fauci signs and whatever else. Um, but it's it's not just him. It's it's sort of science as a whole that I, as I, I never had any reason to look into any scientific studies prior to this happening. It wasn't like a hobby of mine. But then as this started and I started reading more science, I really lost a lot of trust. I like I, I got to the point of downright skepticism at everything that came out because as this stuff came out, it didn't make sense why it was being phrased this way or why it was being pushed this way. So hydroxychloroquine was sort of the earliest one that did this for me. Um, there's been more since then that have sort of continued me down this path. But I, I started looking back. Now, what I did in this, and I'll, I'll post this paper to the website uh, hopefully later today, if not by tomorrow. I got to make a few final edits. I'm still not t- completely happy with it. But the idea being this. All right, so back in March when this all happened, we were going to shut down for 15 days to flatten the curve. And a lot of people said, well, you can't shut down an entire economy. That's going to be really bad. And we were told, no, 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 just for two weeks, just to flatten the curve, not overwhelm the healthcare system. Oh, okay. That's what the experts are saying. Fine. I guess that's what we're going to do. That seems crazy, but okay. Two weeks just so we don't overwhelm the healthcare system. That actually makes some sense. We don't want people unnecessarily dying. Obviously that got extended. Now in April, we started coming out and seeing some studies from France and from India and some other areas around the world that said, hey, we're getting really good results when we treat with hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin, and zinc. Now, for people that don't are not aware of this fact, 
hydroxychloroquine has been used in America since the 1950s. It's been around, or 1960s. It's been around for over 60 years. It's a malaria drug. Eh? It's an anti-malaria drug. It's used, it was deemed safe. It's been safely prescribed to children, adults, the elderly, nursing women, pregnant women. Like, it, it's not exactly Oxycontin we're talking about here. It's It's a... Relative. Those are all prescribed to those people too, as well. Just for the record, <laughs> right. another Sorry. another day, another day. We can't, only one thing at a time. So it's it's been used forever. So they came out and said, "Hey, we're seeing results early on that that are very promising. A giant, uh, a huge drop in mortality when people get this treatment." And I'm going to oversimplify this to say the treatment consists of when you get symptoms on day one or day two, you take hydroxychloroquine. Take hydroxychloroquine, normal dosage, uh, and then you see a reduction in mortality. And there is some some evidence that even using it prophylactically can have an impact, but only after you take it something like four or five times a study in India said. I don't know if that's right or if it's more because if you're taking it prophylactically, you also happen to take it early on in when you right. actually get right. COVID. So it's similar to Tamiflu. I think I'm saying that right. If not, my wife will correct me later because she's had to correct me on that about 100 times. Uh, if you take Tamiflu on day one or day two of flu symptoms, particularly day one, it very much lessens the symptoms and gives you a far better outcome if you get the regular flu. If you take it on day four, it, it doesn't do anything. So that came out. All right. Now, then there was some pushback. Then there was a study done by a company called Surgisphere that said, all right, we have a national, an international health registry with all these major hospitals are a part of it for data sharing, and we did a retrospective observational study. And we looked at all the people that got hydroxychloroquine treated for COVID from everywhere, from China to Japan to Australia to America to Europe, Nordic countries, everywhere. We got hospitals from all over the world, and we're seeing not only is hydroxychloroquine ineffective, it doesn't actually help anything with COVID. It's causing deaths. It's causing cardiovascular problems and an increase in mortality. Now, I didn't know anything about hydroxychloroquine at the time. So I thought, oh, well, that's too bad. That would have been a really good one to have. Never exposed to malaria? I, I mean, listen, I probably got it when I, got, when I went overseas, mm, but yeah. I don't remember taking it specifically. Gotcha. Um, so I don't know anything about it, though. So I, I thought, okay, well, that's too bad. And, but then I started looking at it more and more as, as I got a little bit more curious. And, it, and then it started to not add up of, well, wait a minute. This is the same medication that we give to kids, pregnant women, and 85-year-old people, and now it's causing deaths? That seems odd. And then, sure enough, uh, Dr. Fauci comes out, says the science is pretty clear at this point. Uh, there, There's no efficacy of hydroxychloroquine, and it's causing problems. We need to stop. And the FDA evoked the emergency use of hydroxychloroquine for COVID-19. So here's the first thing that caused me to have a little bit of skepticism. So, Surgisphere, the Guardian a little bit later, came out with an article where they did an analysis and a breakdown of this groundbreaking study done by Surgisphere. And the basic premise was, okay, so Surgisphere lists 11 employees on its website, uh, and it's relatively new in this field. So to set up an international health registry and involve every major hospital from all of these different countries would take an existing company with hundreds of employees years to put this together. You've got to get approval from boards. You've got to get all the HIPAA things in America worked out. You've got to then go through for every piece of information and, and make sure you're doing all of the declassifying and classifying of covering up uh, private information just to get this thing up and running. 
Surge's fear with 11 employees apparently set it up in like two to three weeks. Savants. I, apparently. And so anybody, this is where I mean, of if you're an epidemiologist, if you're a, a medical expert in this field, how would you not look at that and go, wait, what do you mean you set up an international health registry and you got every major hospital involved? Everyone? Like, that can't be. That, that's, in, that's insane. But it gave them the result they wanted, so they went with it. And then it was uh, the Guardian who actually called, they said it was, uh, they called like five hospitals in Australia. Without which, they, these five see such a high percentage of the total patients in Australia that any study out of Australia that didn't contain all five of these would be essentially moot. And they didn't have, not one of them even knew what they were talking about. Not one of these hospitals had any idea who Surgisphere was, what this health registry was. They had no idea what they were talking about. Well, that seems concerning. I mean, to me, that would be concerning. Uh, yeah. All right. I'm concerned. So, fine. That's that's troubling, and that study did get redacted, which it should have, because it was based on absolutely falsified data that they never actually collected. Dr. Fauci cited that for a month. He cited that study for a month. And then uh, Remdesivir. Remdesivir. I can't say it still. Both were right. I mean, sure. So, this one comes out. And now it's right around the same time or a little after these hydroxychloroquine studies. They do a study and they say, all right, well, Dr. Fauci on April 29th called remetasvir the gold standard of care for COVID-19. Okay, fair enough. At least it's something. You know, we've got something that's going to save lives. Funny story. No impact on mortality with remetasvir. Hmm. Remdesivir. That's what it is. It's remdesivir. No impact on mortality. Well, why is it the gold standard? Well, it lessens symptoms, and you can get off of oxygen on average three days earlier, even though mortality rate was exactly the same. And then they ended this study early because the official reason, well, there was no sense in withholding this treatment from people. It was unethical. Okay. Hmm. Now, the same study done by the World Health Organization that found remdesivir, I can't say that word, to be having no impact on mortality, did also find hydroxychloroquine had no impact on mortality. My question is, why did we, why did we go for one and not the other? Why were these treated so differently? Both, neither were double-blind, randomized, controlled studies. They were both observational studies that did all this and, and looked at it, and they had serious design flaws all the way around. Why are we so willing to accept one and not the other? And especially when you start talking about hydroxychloroquine, listen, it's been around for 60 years. If you take the recommended dosage of hydroxychloroquine for that, you know, day one, day two, for the recommended time, take zinc and take azithromycin, there is, as long as you don't have a significant cardio, or cardio issue pre-existing condition, there's zero chance of a, of a very negative side effect. So if you're doing a cost-benefit analysis, you're seeing a reduction in mortality, and then you're seeing almost no negative consequences. Yes, I understand I can't establish causation per se, but it seems like a low-risk move. Now, here's what I found to be very interesting. The more I look, this was as of the end of August. There had been around the world 67 studies conducted on the effects of hydroxychloroquine on COVID-19. Now, out of the 67 studies, 53 of the 67 yielded positive results, positive correlation between taking hydroxychloroquine, reduction in mortality of COVID-19. Saving like lives. Thing. Yeah, seems like a good thing. 80% of the studies came back pot. Now, I, I, that means that the other 14 either came back with no neutral or negative, all right? So 
this is where I, if you're not skeptical, you should be. So you, you start diving a little deeper in all this and you say, okay, out of the 14 studies, 10 of them studied hydroxychloroquine when it was given very late in COVID-19. So you're not taking it day one or day two. They're taking it like day 10, day 12. Well, it's not supposed to work that way. You're, you're setting up this study to fail. You're setting it up to, fa- to make hydroxychloroquine fail because it's not. It's the same as trying to take a, um, a study that says that condoms aren't very effective after conception. Well, of course not. That's not what it's supposed to do. Just like hydroxychloroquine taken on day 15 is pointless. There's no sense in doing that. That's never been the claim. The claim is if you take it on day one or two, 10 different studies all conducted to test hydroxychloroquine after it's not supposed to work. This is science. Seems almost guided. This is the ones that were published. I mean, my God, like, is nobody paying attention to this? This is insanity. So, all right, so 10 of them just straight up testing the wrong question. So that leaves us with four. That were neg- and I'm not saying all the ones that were positive were all completely good studies with, with randomized control and everything else. They, they're not. There's, there's, there's questions, there's flaws, there's holes. My question is, if 80% of them are generating positive results, 20% are negative, and of the 20% that are negative, 10 of the 14 are not even testing the right question, why are we not aware of that fact? Why is that not being discussed? That should be pointed out by every scientist to say, wait, 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 you're, you're setting this up to fail. You're doing this on purpose. Why? So now let's break it down. That leaves us with four. The four other studies, the first one was the Surgisphere study that I talked about earlier, which was retracted because it was entirely falsified. The next was a study from Brazil that consisted of 81 patients total, and the doctors administered the hydroxychloroquine in what, like, mega doses, way over-prescribing hydroxychloroquine, not at all how it was supposed to be used. So should be redacted. Very, very small sample size and misusing the medication, and you can't figure out why it didn't work. Weird. The next one, there's two of them that both came from the same scientist at the University of Minnesota. So the first one concluded that hydroxychloroquine was bad because it uh, didn't stop or prevent the development of symptoms of COVID-19. I have not seen one claim that hydroxychloroquine prevents studies. Not saying they're not out there. I just haven't seen any of them that said that. The, the claim on hydroxychloroquine specifically is it improves mortality rates, not symptoms. That doesn't mean that if you were going to get sick, you're still going to get sick. All right. It's supposed to prevent mortality or reduce, not, not stop it altogether. And then the other one from the University of Minnesota came back and said that it's, it had no, it, no impact on Mortality. Now, the study, 58% of all the participants participants in the study were even tested for COVID-19. 58%. Out of all of them, 58% were actually tested for COVID. It gets even Did they funnier. test them with a PCR test? Yes. <laughs> Who cares? Right. But they don't even have that. Like, there's no, there's no thought into this. And then, uh, this is the bigger problem, in my opinion. Only 56% of the participants were enrolled into the study within one day of symptoms onset. So I don't know how in the world you treated them on day one with hydroxychloroquine if they were not even in the system yet. If you didn't even have them enrolled in the study, again, you are misusing the medication. If you take it on day three, it probably doesn't do anything. If you take it on day one, it's helpful. Day two, probably helpful. Day three, probably not. Why are we studying all of these things that show hydroxychloroquine doesn't work when you take it on day five? I, we could save you guys all a lot of time and money. It doesn't. 
It has no impact. Now let's study what happens when you take it on day one or two. So if you look across the world, you start to realize like, all right, Sweden was using it. And there's a graph that's in this article. You guys should check it out. They stopped using it. And 13 days later, their mortality rate spiked. So they waited about, I don't know, three days and they saw this spike and they started treating with hydroxychloroquine again. You know, son of a gun, if 12 days later, their mortality rate didn't just fall right back down to what it had been after the spike. So like there's some information. I get it. There's no causation. I don't have a randomized controlled test to point to you. I don't have a placebo controlled test to point to 53 studies have all concluded that it has positive results, 80%. The ones that didn't are testing the wrong thing or are falsified data. How much correlation do you want before you say at least, hey, we should probably think about this. Hey, if I got, if I was a little bit older and I got COVID, I would want hydroxychloroquine. There's no question about that. There's such a low risk of something bad happening. And the you're talking, now studies are coming out and saying somewhere between 70 and 90% improvement on mortality rates. There's another graph inside this that shows the mortality rates of the countries that did not use hydroxychloroquine, the ones that had some usage of hydroxychloroquine and some without, and some that just straight up used it. It's pretty, you do better with hydroxychloroquine. Okay. There's also other factors that could absolutely play into this. Some of this is pre-existing immunity. Some of this is uh, general populations. Obviously in America, we have a much older population than most other places in the world because our healthcare is so much better. We have more 80 year olds and 85 year olds than anywhere else. That is certainly going to play a role. But what is the downside here to hydroxychloroquine? And this is the short answer. Remetazvir costs about $3,000 per patient for a treatment. Hydroxychloroquine costs about 45 bucks to, to have the pill, the Z-Pack, and the uh, zinc. Yeah, it's a generic at this point, right? It's a generic. So I'm not telling you that I, I don't want to get in anybody's motives. I don't want to address uh, malintent to anybody. What I'm telling you is looking at all of this data and you look at how they apply these rigorous standards of the first study, uh, Henry Ford Health System came out. They did a retrospective study, just like what Surisphere did, but they only did it on their own health system around Detroit. They looked at everybody and they came out and said, look, the people that were treated with, with hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin and zinc saw far less mortality. It was a huge drop. They asked Dr. Fauci about it, and Dr. Fauci said it's a bad study. It's completely flawed because it's not a randomized controlled. Okay, but what was the Surgisphere study? Even if it had been accurate data, it wasn't a randomized controlled trial. It was a retrospective observational study. It was no different. Why are we believing one but not the other? Why are we giving the benefit of the doubt to one and not the other? That's what doesn't make sense to me. Why are scientists studying hydroxychloroquine when it's not supposed to work? Why are we even doing studies on this? And then why are people that are epidemiological experts coming out inciting these studies? And I'm, I'm nobody. I have no science degree. I've got a couple of degrees. I'm a reasonably intelligent person. I can look at the study and immediately say, well, of course it didn't work because you used it on day 10. It's not supposed to work then. I'm not smarter than Dr. Fauci. I'm not smarter than these guys at Minnesota and all these other places that are running these studies. And I'm not claiming to be. What I'm claiming is that why are none of them speaking up and saying, wait, 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 wait. That doesn't make sense. Why did nobody look at that Surgisphere study and say, wait a minute, hydroxychloroquine is killing people? Since when? Yeah. Like I said, I I know you didn't want to claim uh, any kind of uh, ulterior motives, but price matters. Of course it does. If you can't make money on it, it's just not going to get traction 
in the places that people are going to try to make money. Right. So, and um, India is, I think, a great example of this. Now, India also has the idea of their healthcare system is not as good. So if you've lived in India, your immune system is probably better because it's not as developed of a country as what we have here. However, you compare some of the strategies we're using now. Like they had a mask mandate nationwide April 21st. Their cases spiked out of control. Whereas if you look at their mortality rate compared to America, now America has a far better healthcare system, but it also has more older people. It's an older population. It's not like it's a neck and neck comparison for mortality, though. India's mortality rate is something like one sixth of what America's is. It's it's far lower. And if you compare it to New York, it's one twentieth or like it's five percent or ten percent of what we have in New York state of. All right. So. How much of that can be accounted for the fact that they never stopped treating with hydroxychloroquine? Their scientists, their doctors, their leaders actually still stand by the idea that prophylactic use of hydroxychloroquine is beneficial, especially for healthcare workers. They give their healthcare workers hydroxychloroquine. So you can tell me all you want, study the science and follow the science and just, I trust Dr. Fauci. Why don't you like the Indian scientists? Are they not as smart? Are they, they're not as good as Dr. Fauci is. They, they don't, they don't know the same things. They're not experts. Why, why are we not listening to the doctors in Sweden that are the leading health experts or Switzerland or any of these other places that have equally as smart doctors and scientists, maybe smarter, maybe they have some corruption too. I I don't know, but why am I supposed to only listen to one and not the others? And why, why are we looking the other way when these studies are coming out that are just wrong? Like, these guys know these studies are wrong. Imagine if I told you that, like, hey, this is a wonder drug that costs next to nothing as long as you take it day one or two. And your response was, great, let me do it on a test. And you took it on day 10 and said, your thing doesn't work. We better go with the treatment that costs three grand a pill. Not one bit of skepticism from you to go, oh, was that an honest mistake? You, did, you not, did you not hear me when I said day one or day two? That you just, you, oh, my bad. I accidentally gave it on day 10. Yeah, I should link to the uh, Dr. Doe interview we had because he talked about a lot of some of this stuff and touched on right. some of this stuff back, I don't know when it was, maybe May. That's so. what got me down this road, actually, so. was the conversation with him. And now, listen, I, this is going to be part of sort of, I wanted to do all of this in one paper, but there's too much information. So this article is going to come out probably tomorrow. And then after that, we'll do another one in a week or two. Give me some time. I actually, like, I have a business to run. I have a family. So I, this is this is a part-time thing for me. But we're going to do one on all of the data and inconsistencies around masks, and we're going to do another one on PCR tests. Not saying any of this in and of itself is wrong. I'm saying the way it's being presented is intentionally misleading, and I don't have a clue as to why. Listen, we can get into conspiracy theories. We can get into follow the money. We can get into whatever you want. I don't care. I'm not here to assign blame. I'm not here to assign intent. I'm not here to assign any of that. I want to know what the data actually says compared to what we're being told. The idea that most people in America don't realize somewhere between 25 and 60% of people have pre-existing T-cell immunity to this virus is mind-blowing. Nobody knows that, but it's true. It's not even controversial at this point. Or how about the fact that, oh, well, I have the antibodies go away after three months. Yeah, because it turns into the T-cell immunity that gives you better resistance. How about the fact that almost all, at least half of the deaths in this country are coming in nursing homes, which represent less than 1% of the population? I'm not telling you COVID is fake. It's not. It's a real thing. Our response is about as dumb as it could be because we're trying to paint with a broad brush when in reality it's a, hey, these are the people that are actually at risk. We better stop the kids from going to school. What? Uh, Yeah. 
I mean, listen, you know, I think people are getting frustrated at all that stuff that you pointed out and the fact that there is no rhyme or reason to it. Um, and I'm even not, the places that do this stuff, the cases go up. Yeah. And like it, I said, not I, stopping I, anything. The, I, my answer to your question is why this stuff is not being discussed is because they don't want it to be discussed. They want a narrative to rally around that they can. And this is this is right, but who is they? That's a good question. I don't know, but it seems, and I'm not, no, I'm not even saying it's intentional. I'm just saying that they're, you know, if I'm going to focus on the press, for example, I mean, they're trying to generate clicks that, I mean, they're trying to get news out there. And I, again, this should have been reported on, but it shouldn't have been reported on in a way that was completely one-sided and there was never any counter narrative even allowed to be brought into the discussion. So um, that's where I think it was. I think it was a, in an effort to minimize discussion. I, I don't know who they are, but they didn't want to have the discussion, whoever it was. I don't know. It's frustrating, though, for sure. It is. And I, I'm not – listen, some of it is just politicians are going to be politicians. And any chance you get as a politician to say, I'm in control and I got this. And we talked about this with, uh, with Andrew Cuomo of, all right, so Andrew Cuomo has completely – gotten the worst results of any state, any country around the entire world. Now, you can excuse that of it hit here first, even though it didn't. Uh, it's a more pet, densely populated city, even though it's not compared to the rest of the world. And any other excuse you want. But ultimately, it came down to terrible nursing home order, didn't clean any of the subways or mass transit, wasn't, we're not sanitizing them for eight weeks into the pandemic. And then it spread. But the guy went on TV every day, has lied, has covered it up, has been vindictive, has gone after anybody that has tried to disagree with him. All of this is is not really a debatable point. It's what happened. And he won an Emmy. He won an Emmy. He's up for being the person of the year from Time Magazine. He's got a best-selling book out on the market right now. What incentive is there for him to stop what he's doing? Yeah, there is none. Right. What incentive would there be for Andrew Cuomo to say, hey, legislature, let me give you back some of this power? Everything he's doing is being rewarded for inexplicably i mean there's still a freedom of information request to the to the department of health to find out the actual number of nursing home deaths this is kept on an automated server and it this was filed in august and they're saying january is the earliest we can get this and get it verified i'm sorry but that's just not true they don't want it to come out and they're hoping people don't care so again if you're gonna come here if, if you're listening to this and you think i'm wrong on all my takes on hydroxychloroquine i'm not even saying it's like a miracle cure it just seems like a pretty effective treatment with very little downside why are we not at least allowing and encouraging doctors to discuss this with their patients i i'm guessing because the president said it in a press conference oh my god yes and if in case that wasn't enough they came out and said he had like a holding for the company that owns hydroxychloroquine because in one of his investment accounts, he owned a mutual fund that owned a share of that. $99. It is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yahoo Finance actually life. ran an article about that. It's amazing. So all of this stuff adds up. Even if you think I'm just, I'm crazy and none of this is wrong and hydroxychloroquine's killing people and it has no effect and, and we shouldn't be using it. Okay, fine. What are you basing that on? What data have you actually read? What studies did you read? What, what did you find so persuasive and so convincing that you're willing to tell these doctors who are using hydroxychloroquine, who are risking their medical licenses to treat their patients with hydroxychloroquine? Why are you so smart and them so dumb? What makes you so sure that you're right and they're evil? Really think about it. Because if you haven't looked into it, you may want to pause and ask more questions instead of trying to tell everybody else what to think and what to do. 
I don't have answers from this. I just have questions. My conclusion is not hydroxychloroquine is a wonder drug or remetisphere has no purpose. It, it probably does. My, my overarching conclusion is you want me to just trust scientists. I'm sorry, but too many of them have abdicated that responsibility to be truthful, honest, and at least some semblance of objectivity. This is the equivalent of having a spouse that cheats on you and saying, well, I still trust him or her. Why? Because you want to? Because there's no evidence that says you should, but it's because you want to, and you're more comfortable being there. Okay, I, I'm not going to go down that road. I'm going to keep asking questions. I'm going to encourage other people to ask questions, and I want everybody to discuss this openly to say, what is it that's so bad about hydroxychloroquine? Minimal side effects for 99% of the population, and at least 55 studies now, of which I am aware, that all say positive results when you take hydroxychloroquine as it's intended in its treatment of COVID-19. Yeah, it all seems uh, a little, little, little scammy to me. So it, it doesn't add up. And that's my point is ask more questions. Just because somebody in a lab coat tells you that something is good or something is bad, you don't have to listen. I, listen by all means. But then go read. We live in a time where you can actually access the same data that all of these scientists are looking at. Don't kneel to that authority just because they have some letters after their name that you don't have. You're a reasonably intelligent, functioning adult in the United States of America. You can go look at it. And now with social media, you have the ability to go reach out to other experts and say, hey, here's my impression. What am I missing? Uh, that's exactly what we did with Dr. Doe. I, I, I think it was one of the questions I said of, look, I'm looking at all this and I'm not a doctor. What am I missing? What, what am I not putting together? What is this brilliant piece of information that I don't have access to that only you genius doctors have? And the answer is no. It's just uh, that's not nearly as conclusive as they're making it out to be. Oh, cool. Well, it's okay. It's only lives on the line. What do we care? All right. <clears throat> Anything else on the uh, hydroxychloroquine? No. On that note, this is episode 26. I would encourage everybody to go listen to episode 25, our last episode with uh, Kevin McKernan, where we talk about PCR testing. I know you said you were going to do something here in the future about that, but yep. uh, I would encourage everybody to listen to that podcast. It's been our most popular podcast so far. Um, I'm glad that it has been because I think it's a super important topic. So um, listen to, to episode 25. Listen to what uh, Mr. McKernan has to say about PCR testing and listen to his concerns. Um, listen to Mr. Hughesong on his concerns with hydroxychloroquine. We will have, listen to us in the future. We're going to have more guests uh, specifically about some of this data, some about this, this, these, um, these measures and restrictions and how they're impacting people. Um, I reached out to the owners of the uh, Max Public House, too, to see if they'd be wanting to come on and uh, kind of give us an update. So uh, stay tuned with us. Uh, we'll be back again next week on Monday uh, for episode 27. So with that, uh, Mr. Hughesong, would you like to leave us with any bit of enlightenment other than look into hydroxychloroquine? Ask more questions, do more research, read more articles. It's not that hard. It's, it's a little daunting at first. And if you're not going to take the time to do that, even if you are going to take the time to do that, everybody needs room for error. People are, if you're going to have the free discussion of ideas, give people the room to make mistakes and then correct the mistakes and come back. We all want the same result. Nobody is cheering for the virus. Nobody is cheering for full government control of our lives. We're all doing our best to understand this, and we need to give each other more room for mistakes to be made, forgiveness when they happen, and stop assigning the other side as evil or stupid. It's not the case. Everybody's just trying to make sense of this as best they can.
All right. Thank you, Mr. Husung, on that note. Thank you, everybody, for joining us, and we will see you all again next Monday.